Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 10 through 18. Hear now the word of God. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, and bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I in the children whom God has given me. Since, therefore, the children share flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared the same things, so that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For it is clear that he did not come to help angels, but the descendants of Abraham. Therefore he had to become like his brothers and sisters in every respect, so that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make a sacrifice of atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself was tested by what he suffered, he is able to help those who are being tested. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let me begin the sermon this morning by welcoming you to a new year. It is officially 11 and one-half hours into 2017. And there's always something appealing about a new year. It feels fresh. It feels open. It's the perfect time to start a new habit or to quit an old habit, to commit yourself to something you've been meaning to do. The gym will, for a while, swell with the New Year's results. A new year is sort of like moving into a new home. You've got a brief window where you can rearrange things. Get that ugly chair out of the family room like you've been meaning to do for months and hide it in the basement. But once you're in, once things are where they're going to go, once you're settled into the house or to the year, it's back to normal. So you've got this little window of a fresh start. Not that a change is easy. Most of our habits have years of inertia behind them, and changing them is costly. Literally, it can cost you something. And the reason most New Year's resolutions fail is that we fail to count the cost. Once Jesus had this huge group following him, a large crowd traveling with him from place to place, and all of a sudden he turns around and climbs up onto a rock so people can see him, and he gives them this piece of wisdom. Which of you intending to build a tower doesn't first sit down and figure out the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and then he's not able to finish it, everyone around him will see him and will ridicule him. Look at this guy. He started building that tower and all he did was that? Or what king goes out to wage war and and doesn't first think whether his 10,000 can beat their 20,000? Jesus' point is pretty simple. Before you start a new project, figure out what it's going to cost. Realistically, adding in the gym four days a week doesn't just take those four hours. It takes four hours you already were doing something else. Putting more money into retirement or a college fund, that's money that was already headed somewhere else. 
Something needs to get cut out of the schedule so there's time for the gym. Something needs to tighten in spending so there's extra to put into savings. So, the first day of the new year, what's your new project going to cost? This little wisdom from Jesus can be applied to anything. You want to be the valedictorian at school? That's a big goal. And it's going to have a big cost. You want that promotion at work? What will it cost to be indispensable for your boss? At times, watching others' success, we can envy this tower they've built without ever thinking about the cost they've paid. Jesus' advice here can really be applied to anything, but the direct point he's trying to make, well, it's pointed. He looks at this big crowd following him, and he tells them, you can follow me around all you want, but there's a cost to being my disciple. You have to pick up a cross and die for your neighbor. You've got to be willing to have friends and even your family say that you've gone off the deep end. To be a part of the kingdom of heaven, which is a big goal to say the least, you've got to be willing to pay the big price. This isn't something we expect to hear Jesus say. We often hear about how Christ has paid the price of our salvation. He paid the price that we couldn't pay to forgive our sins. He paid it with his blood. So our salvation is for us. It's free. And this letter, Hebrews, uses the image of a sacrifice paid once and for all. But here, Jesus is also the pioneer of our salvation. A pioneer is the first one through. They blaze the trail. They lead the way. But to get where a pioneer is going, you have to follow them which means we need to follow Jesus. And the following has a cost. Have you ever heard of a whipping boy? Am I just incredibly arcane? Has anyone heard this term, whipping boy? Okay, thank you. Maybe you've heard the phrase, stop treating me like that, I'm not your whipping boy. This phrase, it's from a brutal era of human history. It's from the Middle Ages where royal children would misbehave as children do. They would break the rules. Sometimes they'd break the law. And both rules and laws have consequences, which led to a dilemma. These children had broken the rules, so they needed to be punished. But they are royalty and simply too wonderful and precious to be forced to endure something as uncomfortable as punishment. So their parents hired a whipping boy or a whipping girl, and this other child would receive the punishment instead. The royal child steals the bread. Shameful, shameful. They call over the whipping boy and spank them until they can't see straight. The whipping boy is punished, so the royal child doesn't have to suffer. Sometimes Christianity sounds this way. Jesus did all the suffering, so we don't have to. He was ridiculed and rejected and had all these temptations so that we don't have to. Jesus was our whipping boy. But this isn't quite right. It's dangerous because it sounds so close to the truth. Jesus did take the punishment for our sins upon himself. And he endured God's wrath for the sins of the world. He paid the price of our salvation with his life. But Jesus can't pay the price of us following him. He didn't come to earth so we wouldn't have to suffer or endure temptations or make sacrifices for the suffering, the temptations, and the sacrifices. He came to earth so we wouldn't have to do them alone. Do you see why that's such an important difference? Christianity can be presented as this costless religion. You say a prayer, you get baptized, you commit in your heart, and that's it. 
The rest of your trip is covered. But this isn't the picture in Hebrews. Or a fair picture of Christianity in general. Jesus isn't the world's whipping boy. He's the sacrifice once and for all for the sins of the world. But to think of him as a whipping boy ignores the first line of our text this morning. If you still have it open, look at verse 10. It says, It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist. That part. For whom and through whom all things exist. God is the reason things exist. God is the reason we exist. Because God loves us and delights in us, if that ever ceased being true, that would be the end. If God didn't love us, there would be no Jesus sent to save us. If God didn't desire us to return to him, he wouldn't have sent a pioneer for our salvation. God is the whole reason. And when we treat Jesus like a whipping boy, like he suffered and sacrificed and resisted temptation so we wouldn't have to, we make us the reason. The reason for Jesus was to make me comfortable so I don't have to pay anything. All of a sudden, I become the reason. But we're not the reason. God is the reason. So then here's the question. And it's appropriate to ask because today is New Year's Day, 11 and a half hours into 2017. There's time to set a different course for the year. So here's the question. Are you willing to pay the cost of building God's kingdom? It's a serious question. God's kingdom isn't cheap. The price has been paid that will let us enter, but living in the kingdom, it's expensive. It costs everything. And the image that Hebrews uses is that thanks to Jesus, we all have one father. We've been adopted, which is a great image. As a child, you can't sign the papers to have yourself adopted. The parents sign the papers. For the parents, there's a cost to that. Sometimes it's a serious cost. The child cannot pay that cost. They couldn't pay it if they wanted to. But once they've joined this new family, even though there was no cost coming in, they have to follow that family's rules. There's a cost to staying. I actually love the adoption image, so it's okay that you had a second to think about it. There's no cost coming in, but there is a cost to staying. I'm not trying to talk you out of following God. It's honestly the last thing I want to do. I believe, we believe with every fiber of our being, that the cost is everything. And the cost is worth it. Beyond worth it. I believe that. But there is a cost to following the pioneer of our salvation, and there's a danger to downplaying the cost. Too many books, and you know them, you've seen them, they offer a way to be wealthy without cost. Just make this investment, do this little trick, and you'll be rich. The book is a lie. You have to pay the cost. There are diets that offer weight loss without cost. Just take this pill, but it won't work. And it certainly won't last without paying a cost. And you find this for everything. There is a cost. And if you buy a home and you can't afford it and you stop paying the mortgage payments, what happens? The bank comes and says you didn't pay the cost. You'll see what happens. You'll lose the house. But here's what's really hard about being a Christian. If you don't pay the cost of following Christ, no one comes and tells you. No one says, hey, you know that piece that comes from following Christ? You gave it back because you wouldn't pay the cost. No one says, hey, the fruits of the Spirit that are promised to us as Christians, the Spirit tried to deliver them, but you wouldn't pay the cost of inviting the Spirit in. So the fruits were returned to sender. No one says that. 
I think maybe because it would feel terrible to say. I feel terrible just saying it. But do we get the full fruits of following Christ without following Christ? What's the cost? It's a scary question. The bigness of God, the incredible nature of the promise, the majesty of his kingdom, if the cost somehow relates to the size of the prize, we can expect the cost of following Christ to be huge. But I don't say this to discourage you. I say it to remind you that following God won't always be easy, which is a major point of our text this morning. The Christians that this was written for, they were experiencing difficulty following Christ. So the pastor who wrote this, he wanted to encourage them. So he reminded them of something. He reminded them that there was this time God had no body. God was outside of time. God was everywhere at once, knew everything at once. He was beyond pain. He didn't feel fear. He was beyond temptation. God wasn't remotely human. God was God. But God didn't like feeling so far from us, his children. So he hatched a plan. He decided that he would become like us. God decided that he would be born as a human, not just looking like a human, actually human. God set aside his divine power, he set aside his perfect knowledge, and he was born as a baby. Grew up just like we grow up. Got teased like you might have been teased. Wondered what he would do when he was older like some of us are wondering now. And when God entered into flesh, he entered into every part of being human. Like us, Jesus experienced temptation. He experienced frustration. He experienced disappointment and grief. He experienced pain. He experienced way too much pain. God came to earth in flesh as Jesus because he didn't just want to pay the price for our salvation. He wanted to walk with us while we pay the price of following God wanted to make sure we aren't alone in our temptation, aren't alone in our fear or our grief, our pride or our despair. There was a father whose infant son wouldn't stop crying. Maybe some of you have been here. His wife had passed away and the dad felt out of his depth. He just couldn't calm the kid down. The kid cried all the time, all the time. Nothing worked, the rattles, the pacifiers, nothing except watching the birds. The kid loved watching the birds, listening to their calls. So the dad spends hours watching the birds with his son, teaching him the name of every bird, little facts about each one. But what the son didn't realize until he was older, when he was born, the father didn't know a thing about birds. Couldn't tell a crow from a cardinal. But he wouldn't let his son walk through life alone, so he learned the birds, all of them, so he could share life with his son. That's God. His intent has always been to walk along beside us, so he put on flesh to walk through life with you. Make no mistake, the cost of our salvation has been paid once for all time by Christ. But living in God's kingdom is expensive. It costs us everything to follow God. But the cost doesn't feel so heavy when you know that God has paid the same price to walk it with you. So now, almost 12 hours into the year 2017, my prayer is that you might experience God walking with you as you follow his son deeper into salvation. Let us pray.
Lord, we remember the price that your son paid for our salvation, the price he paid once and for all time that our sins might be forgiven. And this morning we remember the price that we must pay to follow him, the pioneer of our salvation. Remind us again that your spirit walks with us, that we are not alone as we follow you deeper and deeper into your kingdom. We pray this in your son's precious name. Amen.